I want to welcome you. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here, and thank you for joining with us. For those who are watching online, uh, thank you for being here. Um, Donna went over the Holy Week schedule with you. Um, uh, all of those are going to be live streamed and recorded. And so if you're not able to be here, you can either watch them live with us online, or we'll send out um, links for the recordings that you can watch those later. It is... Um, uh, your Easter celebration, Resurrection Sunday celebration will be enhanced if you go with us through the flow of the week. And so I uh, hope you will do that. Uh, your Thursday and Friday are going to be great services. The choir has been working hard uh, for their uh, part of that and uh, got, a, got us off to a good start this morning with their anthem. So um, you're going to want to be here for, for all of that. <clears throat> we have been uh, doing a church study on this uh, book, The Jesus-Shaped Life, and that's been a, a devotional book that we've been reading through this week. Uh, that our, Your reading in the book will end on Wednesday. We'll have our last uh, Bible study uh, for that on Wednesday. Um, But in that, we've been leaning in, doing what people have been doing for hundreds of years, taking this season of Lent and doing a self-examination, holding the mirror up to ourselves and saying, am I am I actually moving forward in my walk with Christ? Is is his power, is his strength, is his character, is his love showing itself in the way I live? And this is a, this is something we'll continue to do for the rest of our lives. It, it's not just a Lenten practice. Uh, and just because Lent is coming to an end, uh, I appreciate you hanging in there with us for 40 days, but, but it's not, it doesn't end with this. This is a lifelong journey, but once a year during the season, it's like we get a, a spiritual checkup that we can we we can just sort of evaluate and see where we're going. And I hope uh, that as you've been doing that, that not only have you felt the presence of God and felt stretched and challenged in some ways, uh, but that you've also seen uh, just how far we have to go. Uh, that That's nothing to be ashamed of. God knows that about us. And that's exactly why he sent his son Jesus so that we can, uh, we can remain in, in relationship with him. And you're never going to outperform your need for grace. Uh, but, but we hope that you're growing and, and you're sensing that. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, I think you're starting to look a little more like Jesus. I just dissolved the uh, fallacy that you can't lie in church, but that's all right. <laughs> Palm Sunday. I love Palm Sunday and stuck-up Methodist churches. I just love it when uh, stodgy people try to act Pentecostal. <laughs> but that's a little too much energy for most of you. It looked more like this. All right. Palm Sunday, it is the beginning of what to those of us who believe it is the foundation of our hope. It is an event-filled week, one that starts in triumph and rejoicing, goes through the darkness, and ends with triumph 
and rejoicing. We're going to read together from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. You'll find versions of this in each of the Gospels. This is Matthew's. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said, and as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. And tie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt as he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heavens. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, the disciples had to be shocked. They weren't expecting a welcome like this. In fact, they, they, if anything, they thought they were going to be greeted at the city gates with armed guards and people there to arrest them. The tension had been growing for, for months and months and months. The, the, the religious establishment had been plotting a way to deal with the Jesus problem for months and months. And, and what they had decided out of their worry that, that Jesus was, people were going to start to believe in him. If you read in the Gospel of John, after he raises Lazarus from the dead, the Pharisees get together and they said, if we don't stop him, everyone's going to believe in him. And they couldn't think of something worse. He had completely uprooted all of their teaching. He didn't respect them. He had called them out in front of other people. And the tension, you could feel it in the air. Jerusalem, the the heart of Judaism, uh, was, was sort of the flashpoint for it. And Jesus hadn't been to Jerusalem for a while. And the disciples were happy about that. They, they, they didn't want to be in the middle of anything. Jesus talked about timing and it's not my time yet. And, and they weren't certain they ever wanted it to be time because you knew, you just knew it was going to come to a head. A little before the Passover, his friend uh, Lazarus had fallen ill and Jesus hadn't shown up when he got sick. But after he had died, he told the disciples it was time to go. And and that meant they were going to be close to Jerusalem. And they they weren't excited about that. Why do you want to go back to a place where everybody's angry at you? There was a fear around them. And Thomas, the twin, Thomas Didymus, the twin, spoke up 
for all of them and said, I'm going with Jesus and if I die, I die. That was a foreshadow of what, what they knew lied ahead. And so to, to walk into the city and to have this celebration, it, it was remarkable. People from all over had gathered. The word had gotten out that the prophet from the, the, the prophet, the miracle doer, the, the one in the story had gotten around about Lazarus. He's, we saw him walking around and Jesus had something to do with that. The, the intensity and the curiosity was so great and people just came from everywhere cheering and excited. It, it reminds me of like when my girls were growing up and they used to do news reports of like Justin Bieber showing up in a local mall and everyone just went. Some of them didn't even know who he is. What are we cheering for? It's Jesus, the prophet. Not what the disciples would have expected, but it makes sense when you think about it. Despite, despite the tension, despite the anger, despite the, the, the battle that was going to go on, despite the ugliness that was about to take place in the week to come, it's like creation itself had to acknowledge that the Creator was, was setting foot on the planet. Jesus had never received the welcome he deserved, even from his birth, a humble birth in a manger in a little town in Bethlehem without parades and and VIPs welcoming him. He had shepherds and goats to say hello. He had never received the thank you that he deserved. He never received the hero's welcome he deserved. He never received the glory and honor he deserved. It's like it's like nature itself had to put together a party for it to, to, to finally acknowledge the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace is here. In fact, during the parade, some of the Pharisees and religious leaders went to Jesus and said, you need to tell your people to knock it off. This is out of control. And Jesus said, if they don't cry out, the rocks will. Because the Son of God is here. And we're on the other side of history, so we know what happens. The cheers of elation, the cheers of excitement are replaced by a chant just a few days later from Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to crucify him, crucify him. We want Barabbas, not Jesus. It goes to the fickleness of these people that he was called to. From the beginning, he came on a mission. God the Father had sent him so that he could reconcile a broken creation to a holy God. So that, so that the very people that God had created with such loving care, he created out of love and because of love was doing everything he could to redeem him and draw him back to himself. He sent his son Jesus, God in the flesh, on a mission to reconcile the world. It was something that Jesus had focused from from the very beginning. It was what allowed him to keep his his eyes in line and his sight in line. It's what allowed him to put up with the stupidity of religious leaders 
to the accusation of people for doing good, for the questions that came when he hung out with people that everyone else thought was not becoming and you shouldn't waste your time with. It was mission that kept him focused. When I first came into ministry uh, in the uh, in the 90s, it was an age in the church uh, where where a mega church was starting to explode. You had Willow Creek in Chicago uh, that was uh, flourishing. Then you had Saddleback Church on the West Coast with Rick Warren uh, that was flourishing. Then there was this whole movement within church groups to focus on mission statements. Right, and sort of matching the corporate world, and 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 mission statements are important. They help us to identify things because, especially in religious groups, we can get so distracted by shiny things that we forget what what we're called to be doing. Right? We we can we can get focused on our buildings. Oh, we love our buildings, don't we? We can be focused on our programs. We can be focused on our denominations. We can be focused on, on uh, the, the, the missions we do. We can, we can focus on a whole lot of stuff. But we have to remember the mission that we are called to is the same mission Jesus was called to. Had nothing to do with a building. Had nothing to do with a denomination. Had everything to do with connecting people with God. If you're reading the books, uh, um, there's a quote at the beginning of this last week from C.S. Lewis. It says, The church exists for nothing else but to draw men to Christ, to make them little Christ. If we are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. Mission. Mission is what unites us. Mission is what keeps us on track. Mission is what Jesus walked through each and every day of his life. From the moment he stepped into the public eye, his baptism, his time in the desert, every place he went, every conversation he had, every challenge he accepted, every correction he gave, aimed at one purpose. I want you to know my loving father who has never stopped loving you, but you can't come unless you are willing to deal with the problem that separated you in the first place. The mission of Jesus. He walks into a parade, the elation of the crowd, because we all love a big show, don't we? By the way, next week when people show up for Easter, don't be rude. You think I'm joking, I'm not. Don't be rude. They're not taking your seat. Get your butt up and move. You're here every week. You get to hear me every week. Give them the front row seat. Come to the the sunrise service at 7 o'clock. Most are you up at the break of dawn anyway. (laughs) Or come to the 8 o'clock service. They're not intruders. They're the reason we do this. Mission. It's not about patting ourselves on the back. It's not about how much we can build. It's not about how the pretty music. All of those are great, but that's not the mission. The mission is what Jesus did, connecting people separated with God from God with God. 
Why is it there was so much tension? It's because the religious establishment, religious thought in the hands of man made God into some sort of authoritarian monster that was going to fry you if you ever did anything wrong. That's why when Jesus shows up and goes directly to the margins and goes directly to the people that the religious establishment had shoved to the side, or that's too, that's too active of a statement. That means they cared enough to shove them across. They didn't even pay attention to him or acknowledge him. And Jesus goes out of his way to identify with those people. And for that, they plotted to kill him. It's that that changed the Hosanna, Hosanna to the crucify him, crucify him. We love it when all the power and glory is poured out on us, but when it's given to the people we don't like, well, we'll cry, crucify them, crucify them too. We'll split a church, we'll split a denomination, we'll split a family, we'll split a lot of things just to make sure we get our way. Because just like the people then, religion, apart from Christ, is a complete waste of time. Complete waste of time. Jesus went out of his way to love people and to show that God was on their side, not against women, children, orphans, lepers, cripples. tax collectors, over fishermen, over and over and over and over and over and over. This is what God looks like. This is what he does. This is where he goes. This is who he cares about. This is what he would do. And to the world, they just couldn't accept it. It was so powerful and so revolutionary that it didn't fit into our little minds and we still struggle with it. Do you actually expect me to believe that a holy God expects nothing of me in order to love me? Well, it's not. Don't go by what I believe. Go by what He said. It's not about what you do. It's about what He did. What we will remember this week of suffering on a cross, of going and and being nailed and crucified, of going through the pain and suffering uh, and the humiliation of crucifixion, that wasn't just a show of of mercy and and, uh, a martyrdom. That was an act of sacrifice in which my sin and my weakness and my judgment and my bigotry and all the evils of me and the rest of the world were laid on him who had no sin so that he could pay for me to have a free relationship with God. There is a catch to a relationship with God. The thing is, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him the justice that had to be served, the, the, the weighting of the scales that had to balance in order for free grace to reign, He didn't place on you or I, He placed it on Himself. 
mission. I will go anywhere, do anything, talk to anyone, anywhere and everywhere, at any time and every time, to make sure that people knew that His heavenly Father loved them. Go back to the beginning of creation. That everything He created was good. Birds, plants, water, land, all of that. Good, 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 good. He gets to human beings. Very good. He created out of love and because of love, He was willing to go to the lengths that Jesus did to win us back. Mission. And the mission hasn't changed. The mission has just transferred hands. Jesus is alive. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. He's waiting to come back to return. But in the meantime, those of us who follow Him, we have inherited the privilege of carrying on the mission. The mission comes, you can read about it at the end of Matthew. I don't have this on the screen. It's Matthew 28. It's called the Great Commission. All power and authority has been given to me. Therefore, go into all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything I taught you. And remember, I'm with you to the end of the age. It's funny, churches all over spent months and months coming up with a mission statement, and Jesus gave it to us a long time ago. Go connect people with me. The mission of Jesus. What does it look like? What did he do? Let's let's take a couple of examples of Jesus on mission. Let's look at Matthew uh, chapter 11, verse 28. Then Jesus said, Come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. You've heard this passage before, but I want you to hear it with the ears of a mission statement by Jesus. To a creation that had taken this gift called life and turned it into a burden turned it into something we slog around with every single day. And he said, that's not what I created you for. You weren't meant to carry that much. You're not the Messiah. I am. Quit trying to run your own life. Quit trying to figure out your own battles. Are you tired? Are you weary? Is your soul weary? And and it, it has just as much power today, if not more, than it had back then. The question is the same. Are you tired? and heavy laden, and come to me. Are you sick of COVID? Come to Jesus. Are you sick of violence and war? Come to Jesus. Are you sick of the family fight that you've been in? You can't even remember what you fight about. You could be talking about having bananas on your breakfast cereal, and somehow it's going to end up in that fight again. Because once the switch flips, it goes. It's that kid that just won't make a good decision. It's that boss that just won't give you the credit you deserve. Are you weak and heavy laden? Then come to Jesus. Don't make the mistake. I'm not saying Jesus is going to take all your problems away, but he's going to make you look at your problems differently. And he says, I'll take the load. You're not meant to carry that. Let me carry it for you. 
I grew up in Boy Scouts. My dad was a, a troop leader for us, and, and uh, we'd go backpacking all the time. And my dad had uh, these rules that, you know, if we're going to go on a trip, uh, everybody had to do their part, and we don't do anything unless everyone could do it. And so, like, my, my sophomore year, we were going on this trip, and we had, and, and I was not a big guy at that point. I, 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 was, I was 6'2 and weighed 160 pounds, so I looked like Gumby. Right. Um, uh, and so I wasn't a big, strong guy, but uh, we had a bunch of uh, seventh graders that came with us and they were like little, they weighed 40 pounds or something. Right. And when you're going to go backpacking, you're carrying everything on your shoulders. And that was back when you had metal frames and everything like that. And, and you had to pack certain things. And uh, for a new scout, they almost always overpacked, and you'd be going through their packing. Why do you have this? You didn't need your comic books or your right. And you take, and and so I remember on this particular trip we were going. It was like a three day hike, and and the the younger guys were like, we're not doing it. And and my dad was like, unless everybody goes, we we uh, we're we're not going. And so me and some of the older kids took stuff out of their pack, put it into ours. And carried the load. I wasn't made to carry that load at 160 pounds. And I remember walking up that trail and just the burden on my back. And when you'd sit down, if you sat down on a rock and you sat in the right place, I could do that easier when I was younger. And you could rest the weight of the backpack off of your shoulders and just catch your breath again. And then you had to resume walking. And I remember when we finally made it to camp and I could shed that pack. The relief that came. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do for you. He's like, you're carrying a bunch of stuff on this journey you don't need. Your anxiety, your fear, your hateful, your, your hatred, your bigotry, your judgment. I didn't design you to live life this way. That's why, that's why you're not enjoying it. If you're tired of that, then come to me. Let me carry the burden. Let me take away your fear. Let me take away your anxiety. Let me take away your shame and your guilt so that you can enjoy life so the way I created you. For my burden is light. Are you tired? Is your soul tired? Come to Jesus. That was a mission statement. I want you to live life the way I, my father intended it to be lived. Another example, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 9. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus says, I'm the gate. You come through me. When you come through me, life changes. He says it differently in John 14.6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This isn't an exclusive statement that's only for a certain people. It is an exclusive statement, but it's exclusive in there's one place that holds the power and authority to change your life, and His name is Jesus. 
And when you come in through me, when, when they, when you come through me, we, we think of animals and sheep and pens and everything, and we think of confinement. And so many of us grew up thinking that that's what a relationship with God is going to do to us. It's going to confine us. And I'm not going to be ha- able to be, have fun anymore. And if I get really unlucky, he's going to make me be a missionary and go to Zimbabwe or something. Right? But that's not the picture Jesus paints at all. He says, no, when they come into me, they can come and go freely. Because Jesus is not a restriction. Jesus is freedom. And, and there's so many of us that don't even know that we're experiencing captivity. But we are. And he tells us the source of that. He says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The evil one. The evil forces, the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, however you want to say it. The enemy's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. It's what fear and anxiety and worry and bigotry and racism and all of those things do. That kills, steals, and destroys. He says, I didn't do that. I told you to come with me. I'll bring you into rich pastures where you can come and go as you want. There is a freedom that exists. He said, I came so that you might have life and have it to the fullest again. The mission of Jesus was restore to us that which God created us. It harkens back to the 23rd Psalm that David wrote about. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside still waters. That picture of the good shepherd taking care of me. The the, the gate through which we come is not something that confines us, it's something that protects us. Because the Lord God Almighty, with all power and authority, says, these belong to me. These belong to me. That's the mission of Christ. Always focused, laser focused on connecting people with a holy God. Connecting sinful people with a holy God. Bringing people on the margins into relationship. It's for anyone and everyone. So many times we talk about the poor and the needy. I also want to talk about the ones who think they got everything taken care of and you don't need God. He died for you too. The mission is that. If we want to, as C.S. Lewis says, if our churches, and remember, church is not a building. It has nothing to do with the building. It is disciples of Christ that are trying to live out His mission. Take that privilege He's given us of receiving grace and mercy and turning around and sharing it with the world around us. Do you want a Jesus-shaped life? Then you need a Jesus-shaped mission. And the mission of Jesus Christ is too little for it to be about me and my needs. The mission of Jesus Christ is for the world, for God so loved the world. And David Payne happens to be a part of that, and so do you. The mission of Jesus Christ is what we are called to do. If we are not connecting people with Christ, then we're wasting our time. It's what we are about. It's what every decision needs to be about. It's what every... uh, 
what our pathway forward needs to be about. Are we on mission with Jesus? Now, if we were going to write the story, it would have looked a lot different, wouldn't it? We would have had him come in on the horse. Would have been a better horse than a donkey. There would have been parade. Then he would have made his way to the temple, not to turn over tables. He did that. He called out the hypocrisy that was a part there. And don't think it was about just money. He'd turn over tables here in a heartbeat. It had to do with hypocrisy and not being focused on mission. But the way we would have written the story is he would have gone and and called down fire on all the religious leaders and established his throne there and then made his way to the government building and done away with the corrupt Roman government and established a throne there. And then he would have rode out as conquering hero in order to to make all of our lives great and every, because we don't get how God works. And that's not the way the story went at all. He went from hero's welcome to sitting across the table from the guy that was going to betray him. To a night filled with tears and pain, praying for a reprieve from what lied ahead. To an arrest and a mock trial and wild accusations and horrific beating and painful, painful crucifixion to his last breath. And that wasn't good enough, so they stabbed him in the side and buried him in a tomb. We wouldn't write the story that way. But that's why you're not God. Come to me if you're weak and heavy laden. I will give you rest. May this week in all its up and down. May we be reminded what the mission of Christ is. Pray with me. Lord, thank you. We thank you for your patience, your kindness. God, it, it is still impossible for us to reconcile and understand completely and appreciate fully what you've done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. But it is our prayer that as we journey through this week, we will have, we will hear the story with new ears and a new heart. And not just for the emotion of it in the moment, but God, for the transformation of it, for the age. Come, Lord Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen.